Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why pretending to be Batman can make you work harder, how long a decapitated head remains conscious, and the chemistry behind autumn's color-changing leaves. Happy Halloween! Let's satisfy some spooky curiosity. Everybody could do with some help getting through mindless tasks they can't stand doing, right? Well, new research suggests that little kids tend to stick to those boring tasks better if they are pretending to be Batman. Perfect Halloween story. It is, and adorable. The Batman effect was discovered by a team of psychologists led by Rachel White and grit expert Angela Duckworth, who set out to explore how kids might think about work and strategies that are the most effective. The researchers recruited 180 kids between the ages of 4 and 6 and split them up into three groups. One group was encouraged to think of themselves in the third person and ask questions like, is Billy working hard? One group asked themselves, am I working hard in the first person? And the third group was assigned a fictional identity like Bob the Builder, Dora the Explorer, Rapunzel, or Batman, and then asked about their work in the third person as well. Is Batman working hard? Finally, all of the children were given a job. Click the computer screen when they see a piece of cheese and don't click when they see a cat. They were encouraged to work on it as long as possible, but they could leave to play a game at any time. And as it turned out, the little Batman cosplayers worked the longest. Researchers can't say for sure why pretending to be Batman specifically encourages hard work, but they think it's a combination of factors. First, Everybody knows Batman, and no one wants to disappoint Batman. Second is his reputation for working hard. I mean, he doesn't have any superpowers. He built his lair. He, he made all his special gadgets. Exactly. And third, a fictional persona helped the kids distance themselves from the boring task. So if there's a kid in your life that could stand to get their hands dirtier around the house, you know what to do. I'm just wondering if it would work for adults, too. Maybe wearing a mask might make washing those dishes seem a little bit more appealing. I mean, it definitely wouldn't hurt. I'm just glad that now you think it's less weird that I wear a Batman mask when we record. (laughs) That's why every so often, Cody sounds like this. And only sometimes. (laughs) Let's satisfy some curiosity. (laughs) I promise I'll never do that again. European history is littered with figures who lost their heads. And there are some gruesome rumors of heads that grimaced or even tried to talk after they'd been separated from their bodies. But these are just horror stories, right? Maybe, but maybe not. So just how long does a decapitated head remain conscious? Listen on, but don't say we didn't warn you. This is definitely a Halloween episode material right here. For sure. Decapitation is pretty gruesome, so it's unsurprising that the tales around beheadings would be pretty horrific too. But even as recently as 1989, an army vet recalled a car accident in which his friend's decapitated head expressed grief and terror upon realizing that it had been separated from its body. Could these stories really be true? So when a head is decapitated, as soon as the blood vessels in the neck are severed, the sudden drop in blood pressure and loss of blood and oxygen would quickly send the brain into a coma, with death following shortly after. But it may take a few seconds for the brain to enter that unconscious state. Researchers have found that some animals' bodies continue to function seemingly normally for a few seconds after decapitation. This is where we get the phrase running around like a chicken with its head cut off. 
What if human heads can survive for the same length as your average chicken head? Count out four seconds and consider how much you're able to perceive about your surroundings during that time. It certainly seems like enough time to lend credence to those historical rumors. But what's more likely is that witnesses to decapitations are seeing the result of the brain's final electrical wave. Scientists have found that the brain can continue functioning for up to 30 minutes after the heart stops. At the end, the brain sends one final electrical wave, which could cause the muscles it's still attached to, in this case, those beneath the face, to contract or twitch. But then there are also stories of survivors of near-death experiences being able to recall what was going on around them after their heart stopped, suggesting that the brain remains aware despite the body's lack of clinical consciousness. This all adds up to an unclear picture of how long the brain remains conscious after being separated from its body. Here's hoping none of us ever has to find out. Yeah, this isn't exactly a kind of thing you can set up a scientific study for. No. Researchers had 14 participants' heads cut off. (laughs) Yeah, no thanks. Here in the U.S., autumn has arrived. Here with sweaters, pumpkins begging to be carved, and an amazing show of color as leaves change from bright greens to fiery reds, oranges, and yellows. And what's even more amazing than that is what's going on behind the scenes. A dance of energy which, thanks to science, we now understand. Yes, I'm talking about why our leaves are changing colors and making everything super pretty. It starts with what you probably learned back in elementary school about the green in leaves coming from chlorophyll. For most of the year, chlorophyll molecules absorb the sunlight using the energy to produce carbohydrates via photosynthesis. They absorb all the colors except green, which is reflected, and so that's all your eyes see. That is, until autumn hits, and the lower daily dose of sunlight means plants start reducing their chlorophyll production and breaking down and reabsorbing the chlorophyll that's already there. So the green hue starts to fade, and that finally gives other pigments their chance in the sun. Or not so much sun, I guess, in this case. Those pigments belong to three families, xanthophils, carotenes, and flavonoids. The xanthophils reflect yellow light, which unfortunately acts as an advertisement to aphids and other pests who love munching on autumn leaves because the broken-down chlorophyll makes their nutrients easier to access. Luckily, the leaves have weapons like carotenes, which fight off those invaders by dousing the leaves in orange and red hues to mask that yellow that insects love. And in some other trees, flavonoids like anthocyanins bring deep reds and purple hues. Anthocyanins thrive on the cold weather that makes chlorophyll fade, which is why especially cold, dry weather sometimes produces especially red leaves. Anthocyanins gobble up the sugar in the leaves, and dry weather means more sugar and therefore redder leaves. All this activity eventually ends once all the energy is consumed and the leaves wither and fall. And then spring arrives and the energy cycle begins again. Ah, the chemistry of nature. As someone who grew up in an evergreen forest, I cannot get enough of changing leaves. It's one of my favorite parts of the year. Fall's pretty cool. Okay, so why did we find these stories cool? Well, I mean, the fact that kids work harder literally by pretending to be Batman is both adorable and practical, but mostly adorable. I wonder how many chores are going to be done on Halloween (laughs) because of all the little kids being Batman. Probably not that many, but you can always hope. Well, we know they're not going to do more chores because of having a sugar rush because those are a myth. Yes. 
And also, it's kind of cool to know that there might be some truth to those horror stories about decapitated heads making faces. Yeah, I'm glad we don't really do that these days. You know, the last death by guillotine was when Star Wars came out. In France, right? Yeah. The first, like, they were still doing it in the 70s. Man. So wild. Weird historical overlaps. Yep. And I also think it's cool to know about the chemistry behind Autumn's color-changing leaves. They don't just, like, change willy-nilly. They actually change in particular ways to fend off pests and... Yeah, and to kind of eat up all the sugar that they had produced over the year that they don't want to get rid of. Yeah. Today's stories were written by Ruben Westmiss, Steffi Drucker, and Kelsey Donk, and edited by Ashley Hamer, managing editor for Curiosity.com. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. This podcast was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.